Welcome to the QCA Wrestle Podcast with Rob Hill and Jay Zyman. Our guest today is Chris Meineke. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. We're here today with Chris Meineke of the Eastern Iowa Wrestling Officials Association. Chris, thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, you're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Chris, how have you been adapting and managing your time through this kind of crazy uh, slowdown period we've got going? Well, this is sort of our natural slow period for wrestling. Uh, I missed, we had a tournament canceled that would have been the 1st of April, end of March, Lee Pamelock National Duels. Um, and then um, I've been doing the Disney Duels for a long time, and, and those are canceled. They're talking about trying to do them in August, but I don't think it'll come about. So, but I, I own a business. Trust me, we've been busier and busy. I was looking forward to some slow time, but it didn't happen. <laughs> I guess that's good. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, tell us about how you uh, started in wrestling, and then uh, where you made that uh, switch over to officiating. Well, I didn't follow a normal career path. Um, I played basketball in high school, okay. and. My brothers wrestled. Um, they both got to state. They're qualifiers. Um, we're farm boys from West Central Iowa. Then uh, my oldest son, the one whose house I'm at, came home from seventh grade and said, I'm going to wrestle this year. Oh, okay. And I was all for it because I just wasn't really attuned to it. But I like the sport. And, um, the two younger boys I have came and said, we want to wrestle with the kids club. So I went and talked to them and we just threw in and I started, I'm going to use the word coaching, but take that. I was, I was just there. And, uh, um, I, uh, started helping with that program and got into it. And, uh, <laughs> the transition to officiating, my, the guys I worked with were always well, typical youth stuff. You know, we're always getting screwed on calls. And in, in my business brain, it's like, yeah, every once in a while, but we might not know what's going on. So we went to a, I tell this story a lot. So went to a tournament at New London, went over for a Sunday tournament at Fort Madison, stayed in Fort Madison. And, uh, we were drinking a few adult beverages. And when we got to the bottom of the bottle, <laughs> it came up. And I don't mind taking tests. I'm in the insurance business. We take a lot of tests. So I'm like, I'll take a test with no intention of ever officiating. And uh, I went and took the test the next year. And that's really how I got going. And Lenny Wyatt Clinton, where I took the test, called me up the next day and tried to book me. I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing this. And he talked me into it. The funny thing about it was there were 27 people taking the test. This is back in the day of the paper test. So we take the test. He calls me the next day and I, I finally agreed. And I said, why did you call me? He goes, you gotta understand that's a winter sports test. There's 26 guys taking the basketball test, one guy taking the wrestling test. 
now I'm now I'm an official. <laughs> so <laughs> it was. I just kept falling into things, sort of. And sure. That's how I started transition to officiating. What year was that? Huh? What year was that? Um, it would have been 1996. Okay. Okay. I just finished my 24th season. 24th season. That's great. Wow. Did, did you think that first time when you took that test, it, would you ever imagine 24 years later you'd, you'd be still? No. I didn't imagine a week later. <laughs> it, it's been one of the most fortuitous things I've ever done because it's made me a better person. It, it's made me a better person just being around with all the wrestling people. It, it's, it's the weirdest group I've ever met. And I say that in a very positive light. Um, I, my son was real light. You can appreciate that. <clears throat> and uh, we kept running into the same people all the time. And instead of becoming sworn enemies, you become friends with them, which is not how the basketball world went when I was a kid. So I thought that was sort of interesting and odd, actually. Yeah. I'm 100% with you. That, that was weird to me. But so now this is years ago, but in fourth grade, my son lost to a kid in the, in again, youth wrestling, you know, you don't know that it's going to predict or whether it will translate to success later or not. But in the AAU state tournament, um, in the finals, he lost to a kid. And the first thing I did after that was I, I tried to find that kid's parents and say, Hey, where, where's your son practicing at? You know, I want, I'd like for my kid to come work out with your kid. It's going to make them better. So I, I, I appreciate that a lot with our sport. That's a lot of people do that sort of thing. It's great. We have a picture um, when Eric Jurgens was a senior. <clears throat> um, Jurgens is a family friend, <clears throat> and uh, you know my kids. My son was in his wedding. You know that that whole deal. And uh, there's a picture. In it. My daughter sort of kept a scrapbook about the season and he was sitting on Matt's side with Mike Persiglia from Assumption and you could see him talking and I asked Eric about this later and he said yeah he was doing this wrong so I was explaining how you do it right and uh, Jerkins and Corsiglia met in the sectional championship they met in the district championship and in the state finals. But yet he's telling him how to do it right. Which, you know, in theory could come back and bite you. Sure. But that's just how, that's the sport. So <clears throat> it's just, it's so different. It's so cool though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What, um, so you, you described the test a little bit. Um, our next question was just kind of like, what, what all was involved in the certification process to, to become an official? And, and is it different now? And if somebody was interested in becoming an official now, is it different than how it was when you started? Yeah, back in my day, we took a paper test. And it was sort of just self-study. You just had to be motivated to do it. Um, and you had to go to Clinton or Iowa City, City High. That's where I took my test. <clears throat> also back then, 
based on your experience and there was sort of a point system and including your test scores and you guys might not remember but we used to wear patches on our shirts and one most of them had a green border some had a gold uh light blue and purple and the higher you ranked the better you did on your tests the more experience you had the more qualifications you had you got a different different border now everything's online so there's it's open book it's easy it's easier and i understand it because <clears throat> uh, we can't get people involved but uh, so now you can and this is what I did. I called the state association and said, geez, what do I do? Um, I'm a guy you can call. I'll explain what's going to, how it's going to happen. If you call the state association, they'll tell you how to take a test. More than likely, they'll give you my name in Eastern Iowa and get a hold of me. And then I sort of walk you through the process and what we can do to help you. Uh, we, our association meets eight or nine times a year, usually in the fall and winter. We'll, we'll prep anybody. We'll evaluate you, tell you what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right. I didn't have that. So I had a guy that I started with, um, they might, you might call him my uh, high water. You ever heard the high water pants guy? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, he wore his pants really short. <laughs> I did football with him and he could create controversy where there was no controversy. He had a skill. Good guy, but that's what he did. So what was it like the first time you stepped on the mat, Chris? I mean, were you nervous like people are, you know, the first time wrestling? I mean, it's got to be almost worse as an official versus an actual athlete. Well, the worst thing that can happen as an athlete is you lose. As an official, you could totally mess up somebody's life, <laughs> theoretically. Um, I can still tell you the first match I ever did. I went down to Williams Junior High in Davenport. Nobody's going to know me. No matter what I do, I can walk out of here. If I can just get out to my car, I'm good. That's how I thought about it. And I get out there, and I've been, and that's not, that's the first junior high match. I'd been doing little kids' matches. Um, uh, but I was alone here and I didn't have anybody to reference to or, and uh, it was Kyle Hansen who wrestled for Western North and Andre Avila who's West wrestled for Assumption and is now back there coaching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First junior high match. Um, the, uh, I should do the math because anyway, Avila must be older than I think. He, he, so Andre and I went to high school together. Um, so we graduated in 02. 02? I'm 30, so I'm 35. He's in that ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. So that gets us back uh, seventh grade, six years, mm -hmm. 02, 96. Yeah, that'd be about right. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, when he showed up at a helping assumption, I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> I am old. That's funny. Full circle, kind of, yeah. It is. And uh, honest to God, I can tell you the match was 4-0. He won it. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's how stressed I was. 
uh, little kid stuff. Um, I, I started, I think, I don't remember exactly. I know I worked down at, uh, we always went to Eliza Muscatine to that tournament. And I, I officiated it more than once. And uh, uh, oh God, my son wrestled his kid too. He was from North Scott, Jeff. Uh, that's horrible. I know him. Anyway, he just took me outside and said, hey, think about doing this. And he wasn't an official, but he knew what he was talking about. And uh, he was right. And I, I, I don't listen. I, I'm always, and we, you self-evaluate all the time. So even now. I like that. So Chris kind of goes into my next question. You know, is there a yearly training uh, with the conference that you guys need to do to uh, maintain your, your certificates or uh, just to stay fresh. And then uh, talk about the self-evaluation that you just mentioned as well. Um, there is. You have to take the test every year. It's online. Um, if you want to do postseason, as we refer to it, um, you need to go to a clinic every three years. I try to go to the clinic every year just because. Um, the clinics put on by the state association or Boone as we refer to them. <clears throat> and uh, they're not clinics per se. And, and we have to watch a rules meeting on, on, on computer now. You used to have to go to them. So you do all those things and now you're qualified again and, and you're good for postseason. Um, the uh, training comes out of our association. We, we try to have one of one or two of our meetings in a wrestling room with high school wrestlers tell them and we tell them what to you know hey do this something legal and have the newer guys moving the match or working the matches we talk a lot about positioning and mechanics um one of the things that happened to me that made me a better official was the need i had arthroscopically fixed when I was 31 or 32 started to go and I couldn't I my athletic ability went downhill <clears throat> and uh, I had to think about every step I took because it hurt and I became better at anticipating the action you know I might be one of those guys I've heard this comment before you don't move very much no, I moved to the right spot the first time. And every once in a while you get burned on it, especially with the lesser skilled wrestlers. But usually you're, okay, you know, to be ultra simple, hey, he's got a deep waist to half in from the left side. We're gonna go right over here. Take a couple steps, you're there. Yeah. And, and that is hard to get across to people, especially younger officials. Because they physically can just, get there in a heartbeat, but the time they're getting there, they're out of position. And bad things always happen when you're out of position. You know, that's when the punch is thrown or whatever goofy things can happen. So, I mean, do you start, I mean, there's so many wrestlers within your area that you, do you start learning like a wrestler style as well? It's like, all right, this guy's a 
a tilter. So I know I'm going to have to work this in eventually or. A little bit. Um, I try to see a lot of different teams. Um, that's one of my goals. But you do see, you know, the, you see certain kids enough that you know what they're going to, what they like to do. Um, mm-hmm. One of my little pet projects, I don't, I don't get caught up in the rankings of who's who and who's going to meet who. And, because I think that bias, is, it doesn't bias you, but it creates a potential for the appearance of bias. And you just go out and go, I got green and red, let's go. And uh, it helps when you just start doing the high level matches because um, we'll talk about that. I know you, have, you were going to ask about some, you know, big, one of the bigger matches we ever done. Those were ones where those guys are so good. You just step away, do your thing. If something goes wrong, I'll throw it out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's staying out of those is the hardest for some guys. Sure. So um, in, in a given week, I think, uh, if I understand scheduling correctly, you could go from a youth tournament, a middle school, high school, and maybe college even in like a, in like a week. Uh, how hard is it to make that transition to all those different levels? Um, I don't, I've never done college. Well, that's not true. I've done a couple of college tournaments and I was really new and, and, and really bad. <laughs> when you're bad and you're in front of Tom Brands, guy never said a word negative. I'm, I'm going to defend him to the end of the earth on that. Um, in fact, the only phrase I heard him say all day that I recall was, come on, stud, and talking to his officials, or his uh, wrestlers. The transition, uh, it's pretty easy for me, but um, middle school and youth, middle school, I let a lot, you, the, the judgment is what you don't call. I will, I will not call it uh, uh, a caution on a starting position. And I just tell the coaches that. And if they don't like it, sorry. And they're all, they're okay with, I fix it is what I do. Now, if a kid does the thing three to straight times, I'm going to ding him, just get the point across that you're going to, it's going to cost you. But, um, then you, but you can't do that in high school, obviously. You, you got to be very specific about it. Um, college, since I do high school and college football, there are a slew of different rule, rules in those sports. And it's a totally separate game. And in our college football crew, just as an example, we can't talk about what happened Friday night until after the game because it'll you'll start thinking high school rules and you'll mess something up. And if I'm going to mess something up, it'll be in high school using a college interpretation. Then go, oh, sorry. But anyway, <clears throat> don't get on that. But um, it's 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 not a bad transition. I think. High school to college would be the toughest one because there's so many different things like the, the danger count and, and to be 
you'd be shocked. I don't watch a ton of college wrestling. I just, to be honest, they wrestle a lot on Friday nights. And Friday night, my wife and I go to basketball games because I'm gone two or three days a week. And it's a concession. And not a concession. It's just. Yeah. You need that family time. Yeah. Life's better if home's happy. But. Uh, <laughs> So, if you go out of the house, you'll understand that one more. Yeah. <laughs> There's no diversions. <laughs> so, uh, we earlier we had a ton of great stories you were telling us, but what was the craziest thing that's ever happened uh, uh, while you're officiating a match or the craziest match you've ever officiated? I know uh, I, I've seen a lot just, you know, in junior high stuff. <laughs> With with uh, walking around the table with you, but what would be the craziest thing you ever remember? You know, I saw the question. I drew such a blank on that, and I know there's been a million things happening. Some of my buddies would probably point out some of those. Um, I wasn't the official on this one, but it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen happen. <clears throat> we were down at the Disney duels, and my duel got done, and I got to take off. I went over in Bob Murphy and you guys will all know Bob in Manchester. He's down there for his first year ever and he's doing these two teams, one from Michigan and one from Florida. And they just, they hate each other. And they weren't supposed to match up. That's how bad they hate each other. They weren't even supposed to see each other, but something got goofed up in their scheduling. And he wound up, when I came down there, they had two security guys, the head of AAU wrestling, the head of AAU, and about four other guys standing around there because they had gotten into the brawl level. And Murph's one of the best officials ever. And I sat down at the scorer's table, and the guy at the scorer's table was volunteer. His kid had gotten kicked out for punching the kid in the back of the head. And he was his very casually land blasting Murphy and asking how much experience he had. And it's like, Oh my God, this guy wrestled in college, coached high school, coached college, long-term AD. You don't get any better in this voice. Yeah. You might want to look at how things are handled, being handled from the team side, but uh, that was nuts. That, and it just kept going on and on. And the tension was so high there. It wasn't even funny. But I've had some things happen where you know, I wouldn't want to say anything about kids as far as just bodily functions. And um, most kids are, that sort of brings up a subject. When I started to do this, I was all mentally prepared for all those rotten little kids that I'd seen all the time. And honest to God, 99.5% are just the greatest kids on earth. And every once in a while, I have a bad moment. Some of them are funnier and get all get out. I have a habit of using, I use two words all the time addressing them. Gentleman and dude. I don't know where I got started on the dude, but I've done it forever. And one kid was sort of dragging back at the Mount Vernon tournament. I, and I go, dude, let's go. He goes, I got it, bro. 
I started laughing. When I was, when I started it, I had tears running down my face. That's how hard I was laughing. I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> I don't remember the kid. He was a Mount Vernon kid. <laughs> was, I I just sat out there and cackled. Yeah. Those are, you know, we have so many more positive moments than negatives. It's not even, it, it's, that's what makes it worth it. But yeah, I, I still, I've come up with the craziest. I don't want to. We had a moment. Uh, I didn't have to get into this, thank God. The first year Louis Curtis was at the association, they assigned me to be the lead official at Lacocola. I don't. I called him up. And said, I live in Lacocola. He goes, you got a problem with that? I said, no. Yeah, no. Um, I'm in a personal services business. So I alienate somebody. I've had that come back to me on football. I've lost customers over it, which is dumb. But um, Anyway, I went up and did it. And we had a Makoka kid. I think he was a freshman. And the official... It was a funk wrestling situation and he's, he'd passed an ankle and he's holding on that ankle, but he, he was in criteria and they just sort of stopped there. And the official who's a, a fine younger official sat there and sort of panicked. And all of a sudden he gave two and started counting backwards. And, and we have nothing. And then he broke the hold and the kid went to the locker room and had it. Uh, injury time and ran out of injury time and the match was over he lost but i was standing there my worst my worst nightmare <clears throat> there was no points there and i was going to go out and wipe out four points and put it back to zero zero instead of four zero talking to the official because he misinterpreted that and you knew we were going to well, you, you know where that was going. Yeah. Anyway, we didn't have to do that. Um, had that situ similar situation sectionals this year. Kid was cross facing, and he was just hammering the kid. There was he wasn't trying to turn him heavyweights, and uh, <clears throat> the official stopped it and. The guy screamed out that he was bit, and the official was going to award the bite. He's a little inexperienced. He's an older guy, and I watched it. I watched this whole thing going south on me, and I walked out there and I said, "What do you have?" We have some code phrases in officiating. <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> Which usually means there's a mistake going on here. And I said. He goes, he bit him. I said, have you looked at the teeth marks? Because he hadn't yet. He goes, no. And the kid goes, I'll hold my hand up. He goes, there's a tooth mark right there. Well, we were looking for two sets of teeth marks. And they weren't there, so there's no bite. <clears throat> and uh, 
the other coach did not appreciate my interference. And after we got all done with it, <clears throat> and then his kid, he didn't mind it at that time, but when his kid lost in overtime, then he minded. Um, I took that scenario and sent it in to Boone and said, this is what I did. What do you want done? And they were totally in agreement with how I handled that. This isn't college. And we're supposed to get it right. If we have to swallow a little pride, let's get it right. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people appreciate that sort of thing. I I think we'd much rather we as in like spectators and fans we we like to see things get called correctly, um, and understand that there's a human element. In everyone, I make mistakes daily, you know, I and mean, we all do. And that happens, but oh, yeah. when, when when you can sort of sort of suck up your pride a little bit, I think a lot of people respect uh, acknowledging mistakes. Sometimes mistakes happen. You know, I think. Probably the this story would take a different tinge. The kid that supposedly did the biting was from Don Bosco. So, <laughs> you know, now you're just one of Bosco's patsies. That comment got thrown at me. Sure, of course. <laughs> right. and, and the other official learned something in the process. He had never been, had that experience that exposure to that situation, here's how we handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no finger pointing or anything, just here's what we need to do. Sure, good, good learning opportunity for, for, for everybody, really. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, it's, I always, everybody that's been around me, they'll hear me say, it's not rocket science. Let's just get it. Common sense works 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. If, yeah, that's a whole other story, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've been around the sport for, for a few years now, um, quite a few. Uh, what, what advice would you give to young wrestlers uh, to help them succeed on the mats and, and in life? Um, a, listen to your coach. Most of the coaches have the kids' best interests at heart regardless of what mom or dad thinks. Um, what I see with the sport is, it, my advice would be just follow through, do every step and do it till you get better and just keep doing it and your life will be fine and, and you can apply those lessons to the future. Um, those will work for your whole lifetime. I didn't, we didn't get any of that in basketball, at least in the program I was in. Um, we watched the, the last dance last night, essentially. Yeah. Um, Bill Jackson didn't coach, sort of mentally manipulate, not manipulated, but stayed out of their way. And <clears throat> you know, I had a life lesson. He was a good coach. And, um, we, but we just didn't, I never got any of that. It was just weird when I got into it and saw what these guys were doing for these kids. It was like, hmm. and my boys got to wrestle for, uh, coach Tampier, Jeff Tampier. And uh, he's a 
he said a line in every one of our wrestle offs. I'll never forget it. <clears throat> he would be introducing the kids and and talking to the parents, and he'd say, "We're going to spend a lot of time with your young men." It was all young men back then. <laughs> with your young men this winter. And we're going to try to teach them something about life. And along the way, we're going to learn something about wrestling. And, and he stuck to that philosophy. And and it really, it's, it's shown itself in the year, you know, years to come. So, Chris, what, what do you find, what was one of the most memorable matches or one of the largest matches you've ever officiated? Um, that was a good one. I did uh, Teske Thompson, number two. Great one, yeah. Um, one Thompson one. Two great kids. Those guys are awesome. Nobody's smiling when they lose at that level. <laughs> Nothing against Teske. Good kid. Good kid. Um, I had Happel and uh, the kid from Simley last year. Uh, I wrote his name that Ryan uh, Ryan Sopel. Mm, I did that one too up at Independence. Um, again, that that was being broadcast on a national platform at that time, and you just stay out of it. And to be honest, Happel pretty much handled that, using control of that whole match. Um, that kid's good, but he only he only used one attack and, and Happel was ready for the encounter with every time. And I just stood back and I've, I've seen the videos of both those. I don't show up in a lot of videos because I stand so far back, which is my goal. Sure. Not about me. So, yeah, those were some classics. I, <clears throat> uh, I did a number one versus two match. I don't remember the kids' names down at Disney one time there. Number one, number two in the nation. It was a Ohio and uh, no, no. I don't know where the kid was from. Mawa Club, which is Philadelphia, Delaware, Maryland, yeah. and uh, a Western Pennsylvania kid. We see uh, young guns, and you're familiar with Jurgens. I've talked about Jurgens. Strip matters, other half of that, that's ungodly. He wins the Disney duels about two out of three times he shows up there. And those five Pennsylvania kids on the Iowa team, hey, guess what club they went to out in Pennsylvania? Yeah. They're all young gun kids. Yeah. Jody's doing a fine job by University of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting down there, just a little sidebar. I always, I, and I tell the Iowa coaches, <laughs> we come back from there and we just want to hug a coach. Because our coaches are so professional. At their worst moments, they're better than some of those coaches' best moments down there. Now, it's not real bad, but I mean, every once in a while you'll get just a stinker. And it's like, what's up with you? Yeah. <laughs> <But clears throat> We're lucky in Iowa, for sure. We are. I actually told that to strike, Coach Stryker from uh, Lindmar at AAU State this year. <laughs> I walked over and I said, I gave him a hug over the hockey wall. 
He's looking at me like, what's your problem? I have sort of that sense of humor. I said, we're starting to hug a high school coach program here at this tournament. <laughs> you got people screaming things at you. At the kids, too, that's what bothers me. I know I'm a target. They're always like three seconds behind. You know, run a half. Well, you should that's gone. Yeah. And that's what we're thinking about out there. It's like, well, that's just bad advice. Sure. You can just see some of the kids roll their eyes. It's sort of hilarious, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's striking. He just laughed. <laughs> but we, we do have it. We don't even begin to understand how good we have it here. So our sportsmanship is unbelievable compared to others. Florida kids, they just have a different mentality. It's not all of them, but just in a general perspective. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I love going there just because it it's, makes you see a bigger picture. But. So, Chris, we've heard, um, and we, we, we talked about this a little bit today as well, but uh, we've heard a lot about schools and, and um, athletic associations having a hard time getting officials for sporting events. Um, it seems like in the countrywide, we really, but are we seeing that trend here in, in our area as well? We are. Um, I told you I assign officials. Usually the worst day I have for filling is the first Thursday night of the of the season and the first Saturday tournament of the season. The rest of it, I've always got people to fill and I'm fine. And uh, we have uh, roughly 80 members in our association. Now, not all 80 are ready to do high level varsity or some of them even, you know, the new guys varsity level stuff. But we always fill things. Um, this year, I struggled on every weekend of the whole season. And um, I used guys from as far away as what um, I, I used a lot of Des Moines guys. <clears throat> um, I know I pulled a kid, a guy from Ankeny into Williamsburg. Um, you, you try to manipulate my, my territory, but uh, yeah, we're seeing it. And what I see happening I had a wonderful, when my kids were in high school, the old Eastern Iowa Hawkeye wrestled on Wednesday night. I'd go do varsity in that, that, that turn, uh, not tournament, that conference. And then I get to see my kids wrestle on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. And I still got to work varsity duels and it just worked perfectly for me. I think we're going to have to go back to some different nights. We're going to see. I know Wednesday's church night, and their church night was Thursday night. We might have to have some changing like that. Sure. Yeah, I notice. I mean, these days, a few schools will do Tuesday nights. I know um, my, where my son's at, it's always Thursday. No other night of the week but Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd like to see, do you, how soon do you think it's, is it possible to have that change? I know the ADs are probably working on schedules still for this year. Could that be done quickly, do you think? Um, if you start off after the 21-22 season, yeah. 
Um, yeah, we. I've already got a. I, I actually have a fair amount of my assignments done on the Saturdays. And we like to send the same guys back to the tournaments that we're at the tournaments, unless there's an issue. Sure. Now that helps us because you just can't bounce around in tournaments. Um, it's hard. Um, I've uh, I've worked the same tournaments for years. Um, the most recent tournament change I had was six years ago. I'd been at Midland for a long time, and and uh, <clears throat> seventeen miles down the road from my house. And I changed to Urbandale, which is not 17 miles down the road from my house. 204, if you want to know exactly. But, uh, yeah. And I did that to see the 3A guys in the Des Moines area. And that's a bit, it's called the Ed Winger tournament. Yeah. It's, it's, when I go to state, my problems with those guys have way lessened because they know who I am. That was part of my mentality. That's smart. I never thought about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus, I get to see a whole bunch of different people. Yeah. And uh, I, I routinely do, uh, we, we have to do sportsmanship rate rankings on every team we see in varsity action. And um, this year, I failed miserably at doing it through the season. So I had to sit down and do it one night. And I can tell you that I saw 218 different, I did 218 ratings. Most of my tournaments are bigger tournaments, not bigger. They're 14 to 20 team tournaments, not, I don't do any 18 tournaments. Sure. Used to do the DeWitt tournament, loved that one. Then the Battle of Waterloo killed it. So, Chris, you had mentioned uh, about, you know, rating and sportsmanship with uh, different groups and, and stuff like that. Um, do you think we need to install, you know, tougher guidelines uh, or consequences for, you know, fans' uh, sportsmanship, coaches' sportsmanship, or uh, uh, anything of that nature? And, you know, I know Illinois has pretty strict rules where, you know, the coaches are not allowed to – uh, talk to the official unless they go to the table. They got to stay on their colored mat. Uh, everyone, you know, families got to stay behind the lines or whatever. But I, I don't know. What, what do we need to do to make it uh, other than just calming down as parents? What, what do we need to do to make it uh, easier for the refs? Um, I don't have any problems with coaches. I, I, I'd hate to to do something more regulated with them. Um, they, the official needs to be strong enough to tell them, you know, you need to stop, think about what you're doing. Uh, and then I know I've pointed at the table before when they're saying something and it makes them make a decision. Do I want to go over there and risk the warning or do I just want to be quiet? And, uh, and I, I try to do these things without the crowd seeing it. I don't want to show this. This isn't about my ego. I'm not, that's not me, but I'll just, I'll do, I'll do this down by my belly and uh, they get it. Um, 
I, I just, I'd hate to restrict our coaching. Our coaches are pretty good and they're getting better. As the younger ones come up, they've been, uh, they've been involved in some of the national stuff where they are restricted. So they sort of stay in place naturally. Um, the parents, that's our problem. I have, again, I, I sell insurance for a living. I know how to talk to people. I know how to get them to deflate. Um, I know how to walk away from them too. It's not my na nature. My nature is to stay and win that fight because I'm as competitive as anybody you've ever met. But sometimes it's just, it's a mistake. Um, I, I'd hate to see, I just would hate to see that get tighter. We have an official that I'm, I'm friends with that um, we're the same age and from DeWitt. <laughs> yeah. He works on the Illinois side a lot. And we spend a lot of time, and one of my lines to him all the time is, we're not in Illinois. And, you know, he does, we, we have those discussions. It, it's just, I got trained a lot by Marv Ryland. I don't know if you remember Marv. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Marv was, hey, if you're within three inches of the lines, we're good. <laughs> Until somebody yells at you about it. You know, or the kids cheating on it. Like some kids will have their hand in a little deep on the belly in a referee start, and then they grab the near ankle. Well, they've actually hurt themselves because they're too far in. So why correct that? as an official. Now, if he's got it on the outside and goes to that near ankle, and, you know, he's got it barely, now he's cheating a little bit. You get him on it and just move on. I like that answer, Chris. And uh, just for all you parents out there, we mentioned it earlier, uh, chances are your son or daughter is not gonna be running for a national title in four years. So uh, calm down, enjoy the experience and, uh, Roll with the punches. I tend to, yeah. I walk right through the crowds. I'm a bigger guy. I'm 6'1", about 240. So I don't know if that has any effect, but I just, uh, I just rotate through and I say hi to people and people are pretty respectful. Even the ones that are mad at you, they just don't say anything typically. Um, and I, with my perfect hair, my son, I love that one. <laughs> I got to tell my wife, I can't wait to do that. Um, my son, the place where I'm at here today, he's, um, he's still in the military. He's in the reserves. He's a, a major in a unit up here in Minnesota. And uh, he, he just told me, he goes, you have command presence. You just look like you should be in charge. And I don't know what that means. It's how you all handle yourself or what it is. But so people, I don't have a lot of those problems. I, I've had them, trust me. Um, I went to AAU State and got humbled again because it's like, oh my God. My friend, I had a wonderful year. And now I'm listening to this. And it's, it's, it's actually a few of them. 
and most of it's ignorance, to be honest. Not not stupidity, just ignorance. They don't know the rules. They don't know the situations. Yeah. What we're looking at. Yeah, and I, I think you're a master, Chris, too, of deflating the issue. You know, you you can go over there, you know, joke around with them, smile, and then then we I, most of them realize, oh, okay, it's just whatever. I was wrong, you know. <laughs> and then let's go on with the match. Yeah, it, it, being from the wet. I've worked a lot with Kurt Kreider, not you being from Dwight, you understand Kreider quite a lot. Yeah. He only got mad at me one time and I blew the call. Kid got swatted upside the head. It was at the WAMAC conference over in uh, Marion. And uh, Kreider comes, he starts heading for the table. That's a disaster. When Kurt Kreider's heading for the table, you just go, Oh my God, what did I do? Only this time I went, oh my God, I know exactly what I did. And uh, he said, I said, stop coach. You don't need to go all the way over there because it was clear across the mat. And Kreider goes, he'll deny this. But he goes, I like to think I'm sort of a tough son of a bitch. My mistake. I missed the call. Kid got slapped up the head way too hard on the side of the head. And Kurt just goes, okay. And he's the most gentlemanly, gentlemanly coach ever. Goes back to his corner, the wrestler of the independence kid. It's, it's weird how you remember these things. Can't remember what I did yesterday. I can tell you about this. We go out of bounds and the kid did it again as we were going out of bounds. Nowhere near as hard. And I banged him on it. Unfortunately, we we're going out of bounds right into the independence quarter. And the indie coach goes, What was that about? And I just looked at him and said, I did not get the first one. He goes, Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't do makeup calls. I shouldn't tell that story because that is a makeup call. I just simply got it wrong. But the real point in my story was how Kreider handled things. When he gets up, it's just like, oh. Barb Ryland told me the same thing about Jeff Campier. You know, when Coach T says, start heading for the table, you just did a mental check down of what you've done wrong lately. And trust me, we know more things we've done wrong than the coaches do. Sure. Yeah. I heard, uh, heard Coach K may be joining your ranks soon, huh? What's that? Coach Crater was uh, possibly interested now he's retiring, joining the – is she eating ranks? Yes, he he's talked about that for two years. So in my little pending system in my business, I have that note there to contact him. In September. There's, there's your plug, Crater. Get going on it. Start training. He'd be fine. He'd be great. Uh, it's a, you know, he's got the demeanor. You're not going to shake him. And he wants to keep connected, and that's awesome, too. I think, Chris, my, my personal uh, thing with parents, be, uh, being somebody, I'm sure at some point I could have been observed as a, as a psycho dad yelling, and I, certainly I've tried to grow and, and not do stuff like that anymore. But my, my biggest takeaways would be make memories. Enjoy the sport because your kids are only going to do it for so long. Enjoy it. Have fun with your kids. 
And then the other thing is sometimes you're going to notice or you're not going to agree with the referees. What I've tried to do rather than trying to yell at a referee is I'll go, I will as a youth, as just a youth coach is all I, I ever do, but I'll go to the table and I'll, I'll just try to understand the call because most of the time the referees have a different perspective, probably more knowledge than I did on the situation. And I just try to understand the call um, because there's a good chance if it happens now, it might happen again later. So if I can just get the, the rest perspective on what they saw and, and try to understand there, then I can try to help my kid, you know, learn from that. The best line any parent coach can use to an official is, could you explain what you saw there and how that was enforced? Most officials will want to explain it. And we also know that if we explain it this time, just what you're saying, next time you're going to have a, a feel for where we're what we're doing. Yeah, um, I'm always happy with that. One of my habits, <clears throat> when a coach goes to the table with me, um, honestly, I'm looking to do anything I can to not penalize them. I, I don't look to show my power, I look to show the other way. How can we have this conversation without having a penalty? As they walk up and before they even get going, I'll look at them and say, do you want a clarification on that? Clarification's a big word because they can ask for a clarification without any penalty. And you can see them, they just sort of go, yes, it clicks. Sure. And if it really clicks, if it really clicks, they know I'm setting them up to not hurt themselves. And then I can clarify it. Now they don't get to argue about it. That's that's not on the table. But, um, I use that, I've used it with some guys that, uh, I'll pick on one guy, Eric Whitkin came up from Waverly Shell Rock, came up and I could see steam coming out of his ears about something. And uh, I said, coach, you want a clarification on that? And he actually stopped walking and went, yes, a clarification. Yeah. I explained it, and he was good with it. He's, but he's, he, there are no type B personalities in coaching wrestling. Yeah. It's A, A plus, A plus plus, and A plus plus plus. That's how I see it. How do you feel about, we've had, there's been some recent rule changes, uh, particularly in college, they have the danger rule, they have a four point, four point near fall now. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on those, those changes? And then I guess the next step would be, do you see any of those um, where we can improve the high school uh, rules at all? Um, that's interesting. The danger rule came directly from the funk wrestling passing that ankle and getting caught. Um, the college guys are so good, they get stopped in that a lot. The high school kids typically aren't that good because you gotta have two really good kids to get to that position. I'm not, I'm not in favor of that because it actually it's gonna put more pressure on the official. We already have enough trouble getting officials, now they're gonna have to do that. Um, you know, Officials count at different rates. That's one of the big things we tell new guys. Go home, take a stopwatch, and just start counting. And there's little habits. I don't do this a lot, but tap the mat 
up, mat to mat up, just to slow yourself down. What I like about college, and we're they're working towards it, is that out of bounds rule. And the, every year they change it a little bit because the first year they made the changes, they really messed it up, and you didn't, you just didn't, you couldn't see what all they wanted to see one person. And uh, I'd like to see it get down to where they're just they got a toe in, and we're good. Just simplify it. Yeah. Um, I had a, as an assistant official, I had a, a I was doing a match and with a guy. The knees went out of the cylinder. He had two counts. He didn't stop counting. He, he got to five and he awarded three points. And as the assistant, I came up to him and said, here's what I had. He goes, no. <laughs> okay. So that kid got an extra point he shouldn't have gotten, in my opinion. Um, now as an official, as the assistant, when we're looking at that, we're just supposed to yell out. And if we yell it loud, we put that guy in the spot. He can't keep counting. It's, it's over. We made that decision. But, um, those college wise, I don't ever want to see video review. Um, God, that slows matches down. I have a philosophy of the kid in the best shape should have the advantage. And that comes right from the Iowa wrestling room. The big secret about that. So they throw that brick out there, then they sit there. And the guy that made the call is actually reviewing his own call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find that odd. That's my thought. And uh, I've done, I've done uh, several football games in college where we've had instant replay. <clears throat> and, uh, I can tell you the first thing I thought is, hey, I'm the umpire. Nobody ever has an issue with the umpire on instant replay. <laughs> yeah, I got into one. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's me. I can get into it. Um, kid switched hands and tried to throw a pass left-handed. And the question was, the ball came out. Was it prior to his arm going forward or not? And uh, I had the quarterback or the uh, the referee was blocked off of it. Straight line is what we refer to it as. People in front of him, and I'm the only guy with the side of it, and um, it was a fumble. He got he's a right-handed kid gets the ball left hand. I I just don't want to see that. They throw those bricks. You watch the D ones, and it's like, you know, go up and get a pop because they're gonna take forever to do this. And that kid that was sucking wind, and there's not many, that many that suck wind in that level, but they're recharged. Yeah. I, I, am the, I am the same exact way all the time. And now injury time I get, like they're, you know, injury time's injury time, kids do get hurt, but sometimes you see those long timeouts. And uh, I'm for me watching most of the kids that, um, well, I'm, you want to see the best, the kids in the best shape have the best chance at winning, and, and you get these prolonged breaks, and it does. For me, it's almost like, let's just go. Come on, let's go. And I obviously, me up in the stands, I have zero control over that. But, yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to see replays. I, I think they're, they're used too much uh, at certain levels. Yeah. Just, 
and we don't have the equipment. <clears throat> in D3 football, they don't have video review because they don't have the equipment. Now they're telling us they're going to have something here in the next year or two. But that those rules are interesting. They're so they're trying to define something that's almost indefinable, and it, I don't know if it's ever going to work right. Yeah. And quite frankly, the officials get it right ninety percent of the time anyway. Sure. Well, there, I think with anything, there's got to be a certain amount of judgment, you know, uh, on on some calls, but. Um, one question I've got for you along those lines, um, one of the more maybe controversial things I, I hear people yell all the time, stalling, stalling, and it seems like there's a little bit of sometimes inconsistency, um, and, it, and it is a judgment thing, I think, in a lot of ways. Is there guidance or like what, or how, how do you um, guide like a new official on calling stalling? That's it. Excellent question. And talking about indefinable. Um, <clears throat> I'm a moderate stalling caller. That's how I put it. I don't want to be too slow. I don't want to be too fast where I affect the, 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 the match inappropriately. Um, it, we talk to these guys. I'm looking for somebody moving and actually trying to do something. Uh, improving their position. You know, we always talk about getting off the hips. I've seen kids get off the hips. And the only reason they got off the hips, they didn't change anything up here. They just slid their hips out. And now they're getting that free pass for another 10 seconds of stalling. Sure. Um, if you want to light up a coach, hit that for stalling. And I have. It's like, hey, we you just want to say, we all know what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just not an acceptable ex explanation. But, um, I've tried to be consistent. In, in not having wrestled, that was a huge issue for me because I didn't have the feel. So I wound up wrestling with bigger kids in uh, AAU and in our high school room, and then I, I developed a better feel for it just by doing it. <clears throat> Last year, I got a little more aggressive about it, and nobody complained, in my mind. Um, in the, we are perpetually, every official up and down the line, confused why coaches go crazy over stall warning. Why don't you go crazy when we hit you for the point? Sure. Yeah. You watch that next year. Just follow that in the season. They, they, the complaints are about the warnings, not the points. Because by the time you point them, you've already told them you think they're stalling. Yeah. Once you give them a free shot. Now, hey, Chris, just for clarification, you said you go into the wrestling room and uh, roll with some of them guys. That's not with that Abe Mickle or uh, what was the heavyweight out of uh, Makokita this year? You've been rolling with them? No. Been rich. I have more brains than that. <laughs> Rich. <laughs> there are a couple of, there are a couple hardy boys there. <laughs> uh, the last person I really really wrestled I, I was I was always scared that I was gonna hurt somebody. And I didn't want that. And I happened to do that one time and it, it just affected me. Uh, I'm gonna go back a few years when Dane Pape was an eighth grader. I would wrestle him in the room. 
sort of embarrassing. I could hold my own against him, but he knew how to wrestle. I just knew how to be strong. Uh, there was also a kid the year before, uh, Rob Hayes. He was our heavyweight, and he was just pretty ripped. He went on to college. He didn't wrestle in college, but he got into that Scottish competition where they throw the telephone pole. And he could do that pretty well. <laughs> as long as you didn't have the telephone pole, right? Yeah, I, I felt like I was the pole a couple of times. Uh, one time I went down and I was working out with those kids. and um, I don't even remember who I was working out with because it was a long time ago. It was before those guys, actually. And I was, we didn't have a big, I was just the throwing dummy, basically. And I got done with wrestling practice and I got my two t-shirts on and I got water running out of them. I'm gassed and beat up and my head looks like a mess. And, um, you can actually see a bump on my forehead. Me and Dane Pape used to rub our foreheads together until one of us quit after practice. That might be a 10 minute deal. <laughs> Not the brightest thing I ever did. Anyway, <clears throat> I come out of this practice all like you've seen kids come out. And I had to play in an adult basketball league. And I went up to my coach, well, my coach, my friend, Kevin Burns, and said, dude, I'll spell people for sec a couple seconds. I'm dead. <laughs> I've just been in the room two hours. And he looked at me and he goes, you're the fifth guy. So I wound up playing a whole basketball game at that, after that. I have no talent at it. I'm not even joking. And I, I now have wrestler hands. You ever throw a wrestler ball? It just hits them and bounces off. <laughs> yeah. It's the truth. Uh, Wartburg wrestlers are ball boys for their games. Most of them can't even throw a ball. They can't get, literally can't put a spin on it. It's, it's ungodly. <laughs> so now I'm going to play basketball though. And, uh, about halfway through the first half, we played 20 minute halves. The guy I'm guarding, who's six foot four, 180 pounds, and just making me look like a moron until he gets within three feet of me. Then I've got him. <clears throat> he turns to me and goes, Would you quit fouling me? He goes, I'm fouling you back and you're not paying attention. <laughs> I just looked at him and said, I just had two really good kids beat the hell out of me for two hours. <laughs> yeah. You're irrelevant. You've got nothing on you. Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of my basketball career, pretty much, too. So I was like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up here, Chris, before we hit our sudden death questions. But um, can you tell us uh, we, if we got young uh, listeners or even older listeners out there, uh, how do they, or who do they need to contact if they're interested in getting into the officiating business and, uh, um, you know, what's going to be the first stages for them to start that process up? Well, the first step would uh, Google and get onto the Iowa High School Athletic Association website. And they'll have, they have a layout there, but feel free to post my number and, and an email address because I'm involved in that too. Um, we have a, I can get you going, I can get you in the right spots. I probably do that with an average of six to eight people a year. Um, 
because if you go to Boone and talk to Boone, they're going to forward people in this area to me anyway. So, yeah. Um, and it's, nobody can spell my last name, but it's Chris at gmail.com. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I work with, I try to do everything I can to get them going. And we'll get them set up and send them out with people. And then, you, to me, I think you either, you can put them in a uniform and just have them shadow you at a meet. And I think you can get them hooked because it's, it's just fun being involved. Um, so they, they don't have to worry about just getting thrown out to the wolves kind of like, you know, that first match, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to guide them. You're not going to just throw them out to a bunch of vultures right off the bat. Right. We're definitely going to take them under our wing and make sure that, you know, you, yeah, just, I have, I was a little tougher. I was a little older when I started. So I was mentally tough at that time. I'd owned, I'd, I'd owned my insurance agency for uh, 11 years. So I was a veteran dealing with situations, not wrestling, but just situations. Um, one of the things I do as an assigner, um, some guys want to go too fast and they want to do Bettendorf assumption in their second year. Oh no. <laughs> veterans. Uh, <laughs> I did one a couple years ago. Uh, Broderson was a senior. I just saw the match. He put it on TV. Or it was on a, an interview he did. What was your favorite match? Did you see that? Yeah, we Any did. That, that was he did that with us. We posted that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. That's fun. Yeah, I was watching. So you're getting around. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. I wish I could remember what happened on that one corner because I have no recollection, but they called me. To the I went to the table twice. I don't know. I was watching that going, I was dying over there. Yeah. And, uh, um, that was a, that kid was an animal. Yeah. He was an animal. Because let's face it, I mean, Little looked really good for a heavyweight in that situation. And he's a hell of a wrestler. Uh, but there's the embarrassing spot. Worked his dad's matches in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should work in youth wrestling, too. I remember his dad, Josh's dad. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, you know, so when I assign a, a, a guys to duels, we start them in tournaments because there's support there. And then I'll feed them into, if I have my way, I feed them into uh, duels, double duels, where there's another guy there. Because it's a really lonely feeling when you're doing a single duel and things don't go right. You've got nobody to talk to, and, and that's a big deal. On Thursday nights when I'm driving home, <clears throat> I'm probably on the phone almost the whole time, people calling me about, hey, I had this happen, I had this happen. Part of the self-evaluation we all do that did i do it right did i do it wrong what could i have done better we got a guy uh, lives in the quad cities uh, last year was his first year of officiating and it, he, he adapted faster than anybody i've ever seen and i'll name him dustin easelman dustin easelman did a great job in assumption former assistant coach there um he's 
he's operating at the level of a guy about his fourth year. Um, <clears throat> I got to watch him on tape. I don't know if he knows that or not. <laughs> he had a McCoconut match, and I watched it at home. Did a great job. I, you can't hear what's going on, but you can see what's going on, and you, you know what's happening. And uh, we had two other officials there. And, yeah, I'm just glad Dustin was there because he handled what needed to be handled. But if you're so if you like wrestling and you want to get involved and and make a little bit of side money, get in get get a hold of Chris. I think when you're I'm done competing, I'm gonna I, I think I'll probably try to get into fishing. I think it looks I think it's fun. I've done a little bit of like wrestle off officiating and just mm -hmm. that uh that's that's fun. I enjoy it. There's a camaraderie there, um, very similar to the military. That your your brothers in arms. Um uh, you learn about having the other guys back and how to deal with situations where you don't agree, but you can't show it. Um, <clears throat> you're pretty tight knit. You have a lot of great friends that are officials. And I don't You guys, the, the Quad City doesn't have a lot of officials in it. It's sort of weird. Uh, you know, Mike. Mike Burks is most well known in living in the quad. It's in, in, right in the Bettendorf Davenport area. That, for my for my perspective, obviously he does a great job. He's been we've been at state about the same time, and, and we work together quite a bit. Very good. He is taller than me, though. <laughs> <laughs> asked, that's what I asked him first time I ever saw him. I said, "How's a guy your height get involved in this?" Yeah. <laughs> I would guess he was probably a basketball player. I don't know, but it looks like he might have Well, been. he was a wrestler. Okay, okay. His dad was a wrestling coach, and I can't remember what school. Might have been Central. Uh, Mike was a quarterback on Central's um, championship football team in the early oh, 80s. Okay. I know more about him than he probably wants me to admit to. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, we've hit that point where it's uh, sudden death overtime questions. So we're going to be throwing some questions at you rapid fire here and uh, see what you come up with the answer, all right? Okay. Fire away. All right. Favorite wrestling movie? Uh, Vision Quest. Who would you say is the best wrestler you ever officiated over? And I, to be honest, and always a friend of mine, Eric Jurgens. But he's got the he's got the resume: two national championships, two third places, four-time state champion, undefeated. I don't know if I can top that with anybody. Pretty incredible. Yeah, solid, good guy. Um, favorite food, and uh, right now, uh, Chris, during the COVID uh, shutdown, what restaurant do we need to visit when we uh, go downtown or go to Makoka to visit? Um, go to the Mexican restaurant as we <laughs> Casa de Pop. I don't even know the name of it. Casa de Pablo. I don't know. We eat there. I love those people. They work hard, and uh, the food's good. Awesome. That's, I had a Hispanic for years, so I do know something about Mexican food from him. Yeah. <laughs> 
who, do, who would you say is the greatest U.S. Olympic wrestler of all time? Uh, I know it sounds like a homie thing, Dan Gable. And who scored on him? Yeah. Nobody. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's a good one. All right. Are you an early bird or a night owl? <laughs> Both. There's your answer. Uh, I go to bed 11.30 at night, and I get up at 5.30 in the morning. Oh. Don't need too much I slept in until 6.30 this morning. It's crazy. <laughs> Here's a two-parter. Quickest match and longest match that you've reffed. Uh, quickest match was a seven-second fall. I swear to God, the one kid fell to his back, and that's just what happened. Um, the longest match, uh, I thought about that one a while. I did an ultimate tiebreaker in a semifinal at the state tournament, and that seemed like it was forever. <laughs> great match, great kids. But the, literally, time-wise, longest match, uh, I did a match, a duel between Marion and Beckman, and we had a kid bleed. And we got to five minutes on the blood time. And we, he couldn't bleed again. Obviously, it was going to be over. He also used a minute and a half of injury time. And it was, when you have blood, you got all that cleanup. Yeah. That match probably, it, it took like 25 minutes. It was just crap. <laughs> it just stopped everything dead. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, it was forever. <laughs> and uh, it, I felt bad for the kid. But the only thing I got to say is thank God Marion has red masks because he didn't look. <laughs> he, he got frustrated. They got his nose plugged finally. Wrestlers are used to gross stories. So they, his nose isn't bleeding, but all that blood's running down the back of his throat. And he's riding on top, and all of a sudden he turns to the side and goes, <clears throat> and just coughs. <laughs> there was blood everywhere. It, I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it, it took a long time to clean up. Boy, That's, favorite vacation destination? What's that? Favorite vacation destination? Um, probably Orlando, Florida. I get down there two, three times a year. Um, my wife's sister lives down there, her husband, and uh, we actually have a, a thing with Disney where we, we have a timeshare with them. And, uh, I'm a horrible vacation taker. Uh, sitting here right now, the only time I've taken off from work in the last year and a half was to go do wrestling tournaments, which needs to be corrected, but the coronavirus threw a kink into that. Um, we go down there, and then I go down there for the duels, obviously, but yeah, we just, I can get down there and just sort of relax. Love it. Uh, so we haven't talked anything about freestyle or Greco at all, but we wanted to ask, what's your favorite wrestling style? Uh, obviously, I like folk style. I sort of like watching Greco because those guys just bowl into each other and finally somebody breaks and off we go flying. Uh, but uh, yeah, folk style is definitely, definitely it for me. Uh, I don't know if we should change leading into that other question. Uh, I'm not familiar with freestyle. I haven't been around it for 
a long time since my youngest boy quit wrestling it. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'm not an expert. I'm not qualified. Sure. I know I look at some of the freestyle officials. This, and some of those I've worked with some of those guys, and they're not great folk style guys. But that might mean also that I translate to I don't translate to freestyle either and do it well. Yeah, it's 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 what you're trained in and what you're good at, what you feel for. Yeah, the familiarity thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's the best advice you've ever been given to in wrestling? Oh, in wrestling. Best advice to wrestling. I, I could answer this one easily. Dad Mashy. I don't care if my kid's stolen or the other kid's stolen. Just call it. I like it. I like it. I actually said that more mean than he did. He was he was teaching a young official. That that's one great guy there. See, I would never got to meet him when I officiated and I got to meet him and he's a great individual, great person. Yeah. And now we're at the level of friends. It's not, you know, Lord high God coach and me, we can talk. It's, it's yeah. just fun. Awesome. All right. Our last question, Chris is what's your favorite quote to live by? Um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a good thing to live your life by. How I, I thought about that one for a while. And it's sort of simplifies how I think of it. I won't yell at you if you don't yell at me. However, if you yell at me, you're going to open the door for me to yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do one to other. So. Sure. That's a good rule. Good rule. Well, Chris, uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. I'm, I'm hoping. Our goal was really uh, to get to know you and to also give people an opportunity to hear about. Like Jay said, the third man on the mat. Um, I, I think it's probably an underappreciated role. So hearing a lot of your perspective and stuff like that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. So thank you very much. Good. Um, thank you. Um, a lot of good people out there that don't, you know, don't get, you just want to stay in the background and, and not have to do things that people don't like. But the nature of the job is you're going to do things that somebody doesn't like. So. Yeah, I just, I enjoy it. It's it's paid me back more than I've paid to it. So that's how I feel about it. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Please share this podcast with your friends. Give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Twitter at QCA Wrestle. And keep an eye out for more QCA Wrestling content coming soon.